so we are going to uh, pick up in our series where we uh, left off um, last week. Uh, and um, anybody tell can anybody remember where we're at? What book? Second so, Corinthians chapter five. So if you have a Bible, turn to Second Corinthians chapter five. Um, and, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at verses eleven through fifteen today. Um, but I want to bring everybody back up to speed uh, because you guys didn't answer quick enough. So uh, obviously you haven't been thinking about this. We're doing any kind of homework um, all week because you've been outside in the sun um, like Zach. And uh, because, did you see how red Zach is? Red, man, he, he's putting his head down even further because he, he's red. Although he did catch nice, some nice fish, right? Uh, he's he's going to have a fish fry. Um, but... Uh, Anywho, so let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, um, verse 1 is where we began a few weeks ago. And the, the whole idea of this series is, uh, like, what in the heck's going on in our world? Uh, we have a lot of this craziness that's happening. Uh, everybody uh, um, can see if you turn on the news at any time. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe you avoid the news. Or if you hear some of your people, or if you're on Facebook or the Twitter or whatever that kind of stuff is. It, or if you're uh, watching uh, Pastor Scott's YouTube channel that has uh, 13 subscribers to it, um, he's getting up there. He's past a dozen. Um, but uh, you, you see that there's craziness going on in the world. And, and we, we ask the question, like, what in the heck is going on in the world? Um, we, we have to understand that there is an answer um, to what's going on. It's called sin, but we, and we need to deal with it. But what we have to, to, to do, and, and what I have been focused on, or what we have been focusing on here in First Corinthians chapter, uh, or I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter five, is how not to lose our mind. So how we are to face the situations in our world, in our daily life, and not lose our mind, but mo most importantly, not lose our witness. Our, our, our witness is something that we should protect. Our witness is something that uh, God is going to use. Uh, so that others can come to know him. And the Apostle Paul here, as he's writing this, he's writing to a church that has had some, some craziness going on in the church. Um, I don't know if you all have had time to, to go and read through 1 Corinthians and then through 2 Corinthians, uh, but you see that there's a, there's a lot of craziness. You have a church that has gone wild. You have people that are doing um, uh, uh, crazy things like getting drunk at the Lord's table. You have marriages that are falling apart. You have... Uh, people that are just uh, um, uh, forsaking everything and just are self-indulging. Uh, you know, it, it sounds a lot like the church in the United States. Maybe even sometimes uh, some of the things which we face. Uh, so when Paul's writing this, I, I think that he gives us hope and uh, he brings to uh, remembrance, or maybe it's for the first time, uh, he brings this, this realization that um, no matter what happens here, no matter what it is that we face here, if our perspective is right and we, we trust in who God is, um, things will work out. Maybe they won't work out here. I, I believe that they will work out here if you do uh, what, what, what God says and if you put him at the center of, of your life. I believe that, um, you know, as Paul is saying here, uh, that uh, the, the, this, is, this, this isn't going to last forever. He starts here in, in, in uh, chapter 5, verse 1, and he says that, um, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 
starts out talking about this, this temporal state of what, what we're in right now. We discussed that, and some of us said hallelujah, because that means that I'm not going to be in pain for eternity, correct? Right? Amen? Yes, yes. Uh, number two here says, um, For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be, we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. We talked about hope, that we're to live with a hope, and we're to live with a longing, and we're to live with a calling that God has placed on our life. Every believer in Jesus Christ can live with those three things, and that can, can change the, the perspective of everything in which we, we do and we say um, and who we are. Uh, verse 5, it says, uh, He who has prepared for us, or he who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us a spirit as a guarantee. You know, that down payment, like we have the eternal uh, creator of the universe who resides inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. So that holy, the, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us is the one who guarantees our inheritance. So that when we look at, when Paul's talking about this tent that will be destroyed or may be destroyed, um, he's saying, it's, it's all right. I've got the down payment on, on, on your house, the, the mansion that awaits you. And my down payment is a down payment that, that, that supersedes anything that you can even imagine. Uh, by the way, it's, it's myself. It's my spirit who, who lives inside you. And then he goes on to six. He says, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. We talked about how, at the end of the day, if we make it our aim to please God by putting Him centered in our life, there's something that's going to happen. There is something that's going to take place, a transformation in every uh, individual who puts their trust in Him. We talked last week was really, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I really loved um, the, 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 the words that came forth about the rewards, the rewards that await us when we put our faith, our trust in Christ, when we put him in the center of our lives and we live that way. That's the key, right? At the end of the day, we have to live the way in which we say we believe. Verse 10 said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And we talked about what this looks like and the rewards in which we um, will have uh, and God has for us. What those rewards are, the Bible doesn't explain all of them. Uh, Paul does say the crown of righteousness is one of them. But there, there are rewards that await us, and because those rewards await us, we have something to look forward to. Which now brings us up to... Verse 11, 11 through 15 is where Scott and I, we're going we're gonna to discuss this. Um, and, and our idea is just to read through this and to uh, um, just, I don't want to say pick apart, but pull out some, some good stuff uh, from uh, what, what's in here. Not, not, that, not that anything else in the Bible isn't good. So, you ready for this? All right. <clears throat> you have to have your, your microphone up so they can hear you. I was just talking to you on that one. Uh, yeah, but the people at home can't hear. They might think that you're like a mime. You dress like a mime. Um, we don't dress alike. He made me dress like him today. I've got a collared shirt on. Thank you very much. 
He yeah. did. He did. He did. He texted I me text last him. night. He wasn't know what I just I wanted was to make sure that he wasn't going to be wearing like some of the things. Like he said, he's going to wear spandex. Um, and he gave me a pants. bracelet. So we're bracelet buddies now today too. Oh so my here we goodness! Go. Yeah, this is great. Do you need a tissue already? Oh, goodness. All right, so, hey, let, let's jump into this, because if not, um, we'll be here all day. Verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. So when, when Paul says this, he, he's, uh, and we've talked about that before, the, the corny, if there's a therefore, what is it there for, right? Understand that what he is doing here is referring back to all this stuff, all the stuff before him. Because we are, our aim is to please God, because we will stand in judgment, because of all of this, let's look at this. He, he says... Oh, no, like, that's not corny. I say that all the time. I know. That's why I said it's corny. That's extremely important. That therefore is extremely important to know all the things that we've been studying, not only in the entire scriptures, but the first 10 verses there of chapter 5. The temporal tent, the Holy Spirit, and now I'm standing before the judgment seat of Christ. Like, I'm a little, that's a little fear and trembling. Therefore, in light of all this, we know the fear of the Lord. That's extremely important. Strike corny from what you just heard. The, re rewind the tape, strike corny, and we, continue. We, we don't do that. We can't do that here. We have to edit our services well, let all me, the time. Well, let me ask you this. So what, what do you think, and, and we didn't really discuss any of this. This is all... First service and second service are definitely going to be different. So if you want to see the part two of this, you have to stick around. I, second Shannon's service. writing down everything we say so that we can repeat it verbatim. Oh no, she's writing down ways. She's writing down ways in which she could get back at you for calling her out. <laughs> she, my wife, holds a grudge better than anybody. Bring it, um, bring it. I love you, darling. Um, so what do, what do you think? So going back to verse ten, though, I mean the the, the judgment seat of, of Christ. What do you envision? I, I told them. Last week, I, I brought them to uh, Revelation 20 and uh, the great white throne and, and just the, the, the majesty of that judgment seat and how um, the, the idea of being that we're standing in front of the, the creator of the universe. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts there? There's a lot of thoughts there. I mean, you ever, have you ever stood before a, a judge in court? No. No. You ever been pulled over? Like, you ever stood before anybody who has an ability to make a judgment over you about anything? I mean, there's, on that even minor human level, there's, Every there's a little Tuesday fear when I meet and with trembling. You. Yeah, there, there's a little fear and trembling. There's, there's somebody in my congregation that just told me this, and I've known them for 20, see, 23 and a half years now at the church. I typically wear all black, and they said this to me. Said I've known you for this long, and I. But when you put on the all black, I still get nervous. I'm like, why would you get nervous around me? I don't, I don't get it. But there's something about what they're saying is you're in this like pastor priestly role, judge, court. Like if on that level you have that sort of a healthy sense of fear and trembling. Now stand before the Alpha and the Omega, the, the, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the Lord of all creation, and he's going to now examine my life. Hmm. I, I, too often we call, oh man, when I see God in heaven, like I people, I'm going to give him a high five and do this. Have you read the Old Testament when people come before the presence <laughs> of God, what they do? They ain't coming up to him and saying, hey, buddy, how's it going? What do they do? Anybody Fall know? Out on their face. Yeah, it's, 
It's fall down on my face. It's uh, woe is me. I'm going to be a brown spot right now. I'm scared out of my mind. Yeah. And I think we need that healthy sense of, wow, I'm, I'm going to stand before God and he's going to examine not just everything that you see that I do, but every every unspoken word that I've been thinking and wrestling with. He's examining everything that's going on because I can fake it pretty good in front of you guys. I mean, he can't fake it, but he, like he, we just get what what he's thinking, right? But I can fake it. I can pretend. I, I combed my hair this morning. I, I made myself look halfway decent to get here before you and to pretend to got things together. But God knows what's going on in my heart, and I'm going to stand before him. Uh, I know the fear of the Lord now. Like that, That's that therefore to me. It's yeah. connecting. Like This is a huge deal, yeah. huge deal. So I know the fear of the Lord, and now I'm persuading others. So, so that persuading there, <clears throat> and I'm glad you brought that in because knowing the fear of the Lord, I, I think that um, having that picture of, of standing in front of, of the throne um, and, and knowing that, one, we're not worthy, but because of Christ, we can stand there yeah. and we know what's going to happen. But um, as, we, as we look at, at that and as we, we understand that, that knowing the fear of the Lord is not just a, eh, I know it, and then move on. No, it's an embracing. It's an all-encompassing. Like, my life is different because I know the fear of the Lord. It's not just being aware of it. It's everything has changed. Everything is different. And I, I like that when Paul goes on in that, he says, because of that, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, what is it that, that he is saying? What is it that he does because he knows the fear of the Lord? It says we persuade others. I was talking to, to, to Scott even just in a minute ago and back in, in my office, and I, I was telling him, like, I look at that, like, that is um, our calling. Every Sunday morning when we get up, because we know the fear of the Lord, we want to persuade others. Now, I'm not saying that that's just our calling. I think that's every Christian's calling, but I think that it is very evident on Sunday morning when we, we sit uh, in, in seats or we stand and be on the pulpit and we say, hey, because the fear of the Lord is real and because we have, there's an awe and there's a reverence for the Lord, what we want to do is persuade you. Not persuade you to think like I think or think like Scott thinks. Persuade you to understand the fear of the Lord. It, it, I, I love uh, um, where Abraham in uh, Romans, Paul's talking about Abraham, and we, we've talked about this before. In, in what is it? Uh, what we looked up? Uh, Romans four twenty one, I think it was. But it talks about um, Abraham was fully convinced uh, in, in the promises of God. He did not waver. But that, that that same understanding of fully convinced that's that being fully persuaded. His life was fully persuaded because of what God um, told him, but who God is, and that, um, therefore, he was persuading others. That, that's what I look at here when, when we're talking about the fear of the Lord. I, I think that too often, I think last week I said something about, like, we, we, we forget the majesty of God. We come in on Sunday, and this is not beating down. This is, this is an encouragement because everyone is dealing with some, something in your life right now. Whether it's small, big, whatever it is, you're dealing with something, and we have a tendency to take our eyes off the majesty of the Lord and put it on whatever situation it is. Well, I got to get through this situation. You know, my 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 daughter's mad at me, or or my my husband, or my boss, or we're not getting along, or this relationship's falling apart, or you know, I got this, or whatever whatever it may be. You you fill in in the blank. 
Well, you, you get so focused in and so consumed by the situation that, that your eyes are taken off of the majesty of God. And when we take our eyes off the majesty of God, we are no longer knowing the fear of the Lord. We're aware of the fear. But it's the, the fear of the Lord, and it's knowing the fear of the Lord that in those situations, no matter how crappy it gets, in those situations, if our eyes are on the, the, the majesty of God and who He is, we can get through that no matter what it is. And, and that's not just wishful thinking. That, that, that is the promises of God. And when, when He says that, I mean, what, what comes to your mind? That's what, of, that's what, to finish that verse in Romans 4, 21, He's fully convinced, He's persuading others, He's mm -hmm. fully convinced that God was able to do what He had promised. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I lose, I start to lose my mind in our witness if I forget that God, God's keeping his promises. And so I'm, I'm clinging to and fully convinced that God is, is keeping his promise. So what I see before me may not, may not be what I think it ought to be. It, it, or it is that tent. Like you ever, you ever, you ever been camping in a tent in a storm? Like, it's scary, right? And my mind is, like, thinking all sorts of things. Yeah, but camping is just acting homeless. He does. See, his, I mean, he gets upset every time I talk about camping. I love camping. I mean, my, I love tent yeah. camping. I, my wife is not a big fan of it, but I am. She's my kids smart. are. She's smart. But we've been camping in some really, really bad storms. We, my, my wife and I did a backpacking trip once where, uh, with her, her cousin uh, and uh, her, her, her husband, and we were out in the middle of nowhere for like three days, uh, just everything we could carry on the pack. It started just a horrible storm, and no joke, uh, we're in the mountains of uh, West Virginia somewhere. Um, Gabe, her, he's a former Marine, kills a rattlesnake out there because this right. thing's like coming at our tent and I'm and then we we're like maybe we should go to bed now and that tent that rattlesnake was headed for my tent when Gabe killed it and Sarah can sleep through a storm my wife Sarah can sleep through a storm with rattlesnakes so she goes in we lay in the tent this is what my wife said she goes what if that rattlesnake was headed for its home and we put our tent on a home of rattlesnakes this is then and, and then did she say good night? No, no, no joke. This is my wife. Then so then I can go three, two, one. She's out. I was up the rest of the night thinking, what if we put it? I'm scared to death of snakes. It's storming everywhere. And in the midst of that, I was trusting no promises that I would be safe. Right? Because I'm in a tent, and I think there's a point to that. This tent, this is, not an, this is not a strong, secure foundation that I'm putting all of my hope and trust in. I'm, I'm in this temporary dwelling place that feels so fragile, but I'm fully, if I'm fully convinced, like it says Abraham was, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm knowing the fear of the Lord and I'm persuading others, then bring on whatever storm may come. Throw rattlesnakes at me. I'm trusting in the promises of God. And, and I'm believing in that. And Abraham was so fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised and that his eyes were set on that. The Apostle Paul was so fully convinced that even though we live in this temporary dwelling place, I've got the empowering presence of God, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me that we just read. I'm standing before God. Yeah, that's intimidating and I'm scared, but I know that he will do right and he's faithful and, and I've been guided by him. And because of all of that, I share the love of Christ. I'm persuading others. I'm, I'm speaking and talking to other people. We're on, we're on uh, word uh, seven of the scripture reading for today of the 58 words we're reading. This is good. Yeah. 
You having fun? It takes us a long time I, to get through the scriptures at our church as well. So this th is fantastic. Right. We, we may not get through the whole thing. Um, we have we to will. get to the last two verses. I know. That's, that, my, that's your favorite. That's my I get it. favorite verses. I know. I know that. That's why we may not get to them. <laughs> All right. No. So, so in this, I, and we, we stopped halfway through verse 11 there. But um, look at, at, at the, the latter part of verse 11. And I've, I've clumped this, and him and I were talking about this. We've clumped uh, the latter part of verse um, 11 and all of 12 kind of together. Um, knowing, and we've, we've talked about this, knowing that, that the uh, verse designations were not part of the inspired Word of God. Um, it, it was just a, a flowing um, um, document. This was, a, this was a letter in which Paul wrote. I, I believe that we can see ver the, these two clumps or these two sentences um, really just kind of reveal a, uh, a thought in which Paul is having at this time. So when he's talking about this and, he, and he's talking about um, our, our, our heavenly dwelling and uh, what it is that we are uh, to look forward to and we're going to stand in front, front of, uh, of the judgment seat of Christ and knowing the fear of the Lord and um, persuading others, he's talking about all about his ministry in which God has called him to do. Now, you'll see in the, uh, the, the, the beginning of this, this section, um, it says the ministry of reconciliation. He, 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 in his mind, is really thinking about what the, this ministry in which God has called him to do, and essentially the ministry in which he's called us to do. But what we have here is this parenthetical statement that, um, as Paul is saying, knowing the fear of the Lord and we are persuading others, he has this thought that's going on in his head, and you would better understand this thought if you read further on in, in the book. But for, for time's sake, it, let, let's just look at this thought. He says, But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. So, <clears throat> again, parenthetical statement, it seems out of place when we're talking about this uh, knowing the fear of the Lord and, and persuading others. But what we know is Paul is facing the, the, these um, what he has termed super apostles, um, these guys that uh, have come into the, the church and causing corruption. Uh, the, the, their whole motive is, hey, look at me. Look what I've done and look what I'm doing. And it's all about the outward appearance. I, I look so beautiful in my robes. I, I, I've got um, so many uh, converts uh, here, whatever it may be, make, puffing themselves up. And Paul is thinking about this as he is like, we want to persuade you. But the persuasion in which we want to persuade you towards is not just to look good on the outside. And I think that that's where a trap that a lot of, and I don't want to say a lot of churches, maybe you can say about your experience, but I think that's a trap in which Christians can get into is like, I want to look good on the outside, but it's not all about What's on the outside? Because it wasn't, you're talking about the exterior of what he was wearing, but you also have uh, Paul wasn't as excellent of speaker as these other guys were. Uh, you think about Paul's reputation. I mean, you think Paul, you think Paul was dealing at all with some of his past? Oh, 
I mean, when Paul writes in verse 17 of this chapter that in Christ I, we are a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. I mean, that's not just something great for us to put on a bumper sticker later. Like, I think sometimes we think, boy, Paul was writing this thinking this is going to be great to like put on a bumper sticker 2,000 years. He's writing out of his own experiences. You think Paul didn't need a little bit of reminders of a new creation? You think Paul was ever reminded when he went in to lead a Bible study? Oh, I know who you are. You're that guy that was killing Christians. Yeah, you killed my grandma. Yeah, you killed my grandma. So why is he really here? You think Paul wasn't dealing? So those super apostles, that's his sarcastic term for them. Uh, See, sarcasm is a spiritual oh yeah. gift. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. But few have the gift of interpretation. Uh, the, that is it's, true. It's the problem. So that's why people like you get into a lot of trouble. Uh, but, yeah, but that, that was a problem then, and it is a problem now. It's a huge problem now that, that we, we, we focus so much on, what was that, is that verse four, 12, that uh, you'll be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. What you do see throughout Paul's letters, if you really pay attention to the little things that he'll say about, you know how, I, I think it's in Acts 20, he says to the church of F, in Ephesus, you know how I lived the whole time when I was with you. He's mm-hmm. very, very, um, uh, it seems to be down to earth. Like, you, you know how I was. I, I lived amongst you. I, I, I taught with you. I, I, I spoke to you from my heart. I wasn't trying to put on some big show. I wasn't just coming in and and that does that does still happen today within the church. I mean, you can't you can't talk to the pastor. The pastor's a big deal and you he has to be ushered off into his private quarters and nobody can talk to him and nobody he's not relevant. Is that what you do at your church? You don't have security guards at your church? Have you met the people of my church? Everybody's a security guard. <laughs> um, I pity the fool. That's I pity the fool. But it, all of it becomes this external appearance. That's what that's what everything is. That's that's what he's talking about. And so then we boast about external appearance. You, if you've ever been in a room full of pastors, I mean, this inevitably is what the first question will be, especially when you're getting to know each other. <laughs> no, we don't care because I don't. I know he's lying about everything he says. Um, I didn't even know the guy was a pastor. When I first met him, I was trying to witness to him. <laughs> Saw this thug coming in the room, like, well, they, thank you, Jesus. I've been praying for someone to witness to. Like, crap, you're a pastor. Um, you get two pastors See, in a room. It's not just me. You get two pastors in a room. Inevitably, this will be who don't know each other. This will be the question that happens: How are you doing? Praise Jesus! It's good to be meeting a fellow minister. How many people go to your church? <laughs> the answer will be a lie from the the, pa- the first pastor. Inflation. It's yeah. It's not necessarily a lie. It's our distorted uh, right. imagination about. So you got like you know seventy. That doesn't sound quite right. So let's round up because on a good day we would get 125. So we have 125. Well, on, Easter, on Easter, I mean, you, you yeah. say it's always inflated, yeah. and that's where. So you do your inflation, but now I have to inflate, and so then it's back and forth. It's just boasting about external appearances rather than just speaking uh, from the heart, and that that's that constant challenge, and it it, it does happen. Can I, can I share one personal one? It happened this morning. I don't care. I need permission. What would he mean? gave me permission? So. I don't know no, it didn't thinking. happen with you. Um, I don't know if the band planned to play the song purposely or you planned it, because I, I do plan a couple of songs <laughs> at our church. When I know Lee's coming, we clap at certain songs. like it's, Every song. But it's not just a, in, in rhythm. It's a... Yeah. In the middle of a song. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. If you go to like it's Catholic church, everybody bit. stands and knows when to recite stuff. At our church, we know when to clap at certain songs. It drives him nuts. So every time I know he's coming... I plan to play those songs at those times. You're not playing them next week, are you? Well, I've already got one in there. Yeah, definitely. So, and last time I was there, I told our people, 
Reverend Kackner is here. He loves it when we clap. Come on, let's beef up the clapping for Reverend Kackner, you know. So we really do it well. So I don't know if you played this song in particular because he happened to know that, I'll be honest, I, I don't like, I didn't, I, let me say it this way, I didn't like the song. But you guys changed me today. I'm converted today. Um, and, and the reason is, I don't give you full story but with it, but I heard the song played for the first time ever. I heard it unveiled, and I, I hated the way they did it. I felt like it was such a show. It was on Easter Sunday. I felt like they were making it all about the song and marketing a song rather than preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday. And ever since then, I wouldn't give the song the time of day because I felt like it was boasting an outward appearance. But then I heard you guys do it today. And by the way, the band sounds phenomenal today. Like yeah. It's the first time yeah. I've been here. Um, I mean, I've... I've come a few times in the past when I, when I would play and get some band together a little bit and to see you guys together as a band today, I loved it. I've, I've not met the worship leader yet. And, He's uh, the red loved, guy down here. Loved it. Loved it. Elmo. When, Elmo. when Paul says we're speaking, I'm, I shared my heart with you. What I felt like this morning was I heard the heart version of Graves into Gardens, whereas the first time I heard it, I heard an outward appearance let's impress everybody with how awesome we are as musicians and I didn't like it and this morning what I heard was and I think I'm going to tell our band we're going to we're going to play this song now because I heard I heard the kind of more raw heart version of it and I loved it yeah. I loved it. I love the songs you guys did. I love the way you played. And I've never been here when you had a drummer. Like, it was so cool. Like It sounded great. Like You guys together sounded great. The, the acoustic guitar, drums, and a bass guitar. You're like one step away from being a punk rock band. Like That's what it's like. Like It's great. But, but it was the heart. It was, it, was, it was something. And sometimes we as, as smaller churches, we feel like we don't measure up because we don't we don't perform right, and we don't have the big laser light show, and we don't do all these things, and it's the outward external appearance. While I'm on a, a little bit of a rant on this right now, go one more. My, uh, I, I grew up going to chapel in Akron. I loved the chapel. There's not anything sliding the chapel. I, I Part of who I am today is because that Pastor Newt Larson was my pastor, and love Pastor Newt Larson, my favorite pastors of all time, but he, he, he ran a big church in such a small way. I think he did such a phenomenal job of trying to do that. But what happened in my mind was I put him up on such a pedestal that I thought that's a real pastor. My grandfather was a farmer and a preacher, had two tiny little churches for 20 some years. And when I did his funeral, up to that point, I have to admit that I never considered my grandpa to be like a real preacher because he just did this small little church thing and his funeral changed my mind because pastor Larson, the big churches, that's what real preachers do. My grandpa just kind of played church. And then in his funeral, what we did for his memorial service was <clears throat> what we did for his memorial service was we were just, it was just family only, just family. And right when I stood up at the graveside to do uh, the graveside service that was family only. Right when I stood up to do the service down in Carrollton, Ohio, Carroll County, like this little farm, just hick churches that I just love. I say that with all the love in the world. I love that. And, and these like three cars came up this little dirt lane and they all came up about 20, 30 people came walking down that hill. And what they said was basically, hey, he's our family too. Mm. And then when the, we did the actual memorial service, 
when I heard people from his church tell stories of how my grandfather ministered to them over all those years, I left that day thinking, wow, my grandfather is a real pastor. And Pastor Newt Larson is just kind of pastoring like pastors. And I, and I, and that honestly, that moment, I, up until that moment, I, I used to joke that someday Pastor Larson will call me. Hey, Scott, I'm retiring. I'm ready for to hand the keys over to the chapel to you. And, and no joke, after that funeral service, I changed my little joke story. And I said that moment, I would say, thanks, but no thanks, because I fell in love with what ministry in, in a small church is. It's so real and authentic in heart. And that's what Paul is saying. You guys are boasting about external appearances. We have 5,000. I don't care. It's, it's the heart of what's happening. And so it does this little parenthetical whatever thing, but it's so powerful in what Paul is communicating to his audience and to us as well about how important this heart relationship with God and with each other is and how God is using that as a part of this persuasion, not in any negative, like being political and campaigning, but in a true, authentic kind of relationship that actually transforms lives. I I went on for a long time there. No, no, but you you, you brought it together in... in to be honest with you, we're not going to get to the other verses. We'll do that in the second service. Um, so again, if you want to stick around. Stick what around. time do we end? 10-10. Okay, get, so we'll go, just two seconds. We'll, we'll record two seconds. the second service as well. It'll get, be up. Verses 14 and 15. It'll right. be in the second Ver, service. Verses 14 oh, and 15. Come on, verses 14 and 15. You can't. You got, a, you got a guest coming in. Don't, don't steal the thunder right now. Verses 14 and 15. Hold on a second. Let's get, let's get crazy here. Verses 14 and 15. These are absolutely my favorite verses in all of Scripture. So verse 13, if we are beside ourselves, like if I'm out of my mind, that's, that's for God. If you think I'm a little bit crazy, hey, good, because that's for God. But if I'm in my right mind, if, if I'm trying to make any sense, it's, that's for you. He's like, I'm trying to do the right thing so it can make sense to you. But you look at me and say, man, that guy's a little crazy and messed up. That's because I'm on, walking on the wild side for God. But the love for the love of Christ, verse 14, it controls me. It compels me. It moves me. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That, those 14 and 15. Lee gets real professional and polished when he preaches. I don't. Our people, our people have a pastor that makes no sense. So I got to dumb it down for myself so I can dumb it down for everybody else. So I don't use words like parenthetical statements and things like that. I talk about people like Bobby Boucher. You know who you know who Bobby Boucher is? I do that too. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, now. You know I'm joking. You know he him. uses words like propitiation. So you know who Bobby Boucher is? Waterboy, Water right? My mama so, said. so our our church knows we Matt Chandler used this thing a while ago about white knuckling it. I'm gonna white knuckle and I just gotta try harder. I read this and think I'm gonna stand before the judgment seat of God and he's gonna look at everything in my life. I gotta white knuckle and I gotta try harder. And let's be honest, what happens when we start white knuckling? I gotta, I gotta, I, I can't do it. So I gotta dress it up. I gotta look better. I gotta fake. I gotta perform. I gotta worry so much about outward appearance, and I, I gotta try so hard. But if you start white knuckling it too long, I don't know about you, but you're just gonna get mad and upset and start punching people and getting frustrated, and it's fake. What Bobby Boucher learned was it's about tackling fuel. 
That's the only way in which I can then go do the work that I got to do. When I look at verses 14 and 15, what we have, and you may want to jot this down on the edges of your Bible somewhere to say, this is tackling fuel. This is what motivates. This is what compels. This is what moves me. It's not about trying to look like a Christian. It's not trying to white knuckle in it and try my hardest, but it's about the love of Christ that compels me and moves me and controls me because I have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all has died. And if, 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 if we have now all died because of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then, then that absolutely changes every single thing. And then now those who live, we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for the one who died for me. Do I do it perfectly? No. But I've got the empowering presence of God that lives inside of me, which is the Holy Spirit, that by the way, and if you read Ephesians 1, is the same power that, Jesus, that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. That lives inside of us. Like that ought to excite us a little bit. The empowering presence of God lives inside of us that is a guarantee of the salvation that you and I have, right? So if if you hear all of that of what we're saying, then you ought to walk out of church today and know that my microphone's dying in the midst of this, but it's okay. Like... My microphones have word counts on them. They they shut me down after. No, if if you hear all of that, if you hear all of that, Paul says the love of Christ controls me. It compels me. It it moves me. It motivates me. And I have that the empowering presence of God that lives inside of me. If I hear all of that, I ought to walk out of here today and think I got a bit of like TNT power living inside of me. I may spontaneously combust at any given moment because of all that God has done in me. That's how most of us walk out of Cracker Barrel for after church lunch. Like, ah, right? Like, you ought to walk into Cracker Barrel today. Like, watch out, people. I may combust at any given moment. And now I'm not trying to fake persuading you. It's just living what I know and believe to be true. I don't live for myself anymore because I live for the love of Christ that absolutely controls me, compels me, moves me, and motivates me. Man, verses 14 and 15 are are pivotal. Thank you for two minutes just to share a little bit of what I love. Pray, first pray good, us out. Pray holy us out. cow. Oh, we're praying now? Pray it out. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would that you would lift our eyes heavenward off of the stuff of the world around us that we see. Certainly, there's a lot that we've been going through as a world, but it's no different. We, for thousands of years, we were going through stuff. And so, Father, I just pray that you would redirect our focus, our attention, that we might see you that we, might, that we might know you, that we might know and realize that the empowering presence of your spirit that lives inside of us. Father, I pray for this church, our, our, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ here, here at LifePoint. I pray like the Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, that, that the eyes of their hearts would be open, would be enlightened, that they would know with wisdom and revelation the, the empowering presence of your spirit that lives inside of them. Father, I pray that you would that you would lift our eyes heavenward, that we would be faithful because you have been so faithful to us. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who by his death, burial, and resurrection conquered death for all so that we might no longer live for ourselves but for you. Father, as we, as we walk this life that we live, in, in, this, in this temporary state, fragile existence of this earthly tent in which we live. May we be reminded of all that you have done for us, that we would be so compelled, so moved, so controlled by 
the love of Christ, your Son, our Savior, that whatever it is that we see before us, the storms of life, the rattlesnakes that get thrown at us, the only thing we would see, hear, cling to is your righteous right hand. Father, I thank you for your grace, your love, your mercy. I thank you, Father, for these my brothers and sisters in in Christ uh, here at this church. I thank you that our churches can come together and and, and go on mission together and and, and work together to to serve this community. And I pray by your spirit, by the word of God, by by your righteous right hand, that we as together as churches would would work together to, to persuade others and pointing others to the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for all your good gifts to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Have a good week, or we'll see you next service.